Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Tennessee Power Hour is here for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Thanks to the entire staff for getting it done today. Alongside Chad Withrow, Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We are seeing uh, teams, coaches, practices open uh, across the league for the NFL. That includes the Titans. That's where we start the Tennessee Power Hour, where Mike Vrabel has uh, talked with the media today as camp begins and players report to the Titans practice facility over in Metro Center. Paul, you've been monitoring some of the comments by Vrabel. Anything that just jumps out to you based on the the reporting and and, and live tweeting from those media in attendance today uh, at the banner outside the team facility? Yeah, and uh, good to see pictures of reporters in front of a podium spread out in front of Mike Vrabel. First time in a year and a half, right? Yeah, I look forward to being at one of those soon. Vaccines, he's comfortable with where they are. Um, he said uh, they won't be ID'd on the field. They will be ID'd in the building, uh, non-vaccinated guys. I do think, though, in media availability, the guys who are unvaccinated are going to have to be wearing masks. And I, 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 that's my uh, suspicion. And I think that's going to advertise who's unvaccinated to oh, us. So, so if they're unvaccinated, they're still available to you. It's not like a Zoom or anything? No, it's, it's going to be like... Because a, it's a select group of players, right? It's not like... You make a request and you get that player. Well, Am I wrong? We're, we're making requests for people a who pool. will show up in a mixed zone, yeah. kind of a yeah. World Cup kind of thing. So there'll be six feet of space, and guys will be kind of in a, a pen, for lack of a better word, well, six feet away from us. But I think guys who are unvaccinated are required to wear masks in such a situation. Couldn't, even couldn't the Titans just not away. make the unvaccinated players available? Well, and I, then you would never it know. It depends who that is. Well, then we would know if we're not getting guys yeah, who it would requested. Depend. So that would advertise what, what, it as well. What, so what he's referring to on the identification of this, uh, Pittsburgh's doing this. I know Tampa Bay the, is the doing this. The league wanted this, and they um, uh, colored players pushed back. So, uh, okay. Let, let's, the union I'll, pushed I'll, back. I'll, but they're, so they're not doing it? I don't know. I, okay. I hadn't heard that it was resolved, but Vrabel I, makes it sound like it is. The way, the way I read, read what's going on in Pittsburgh, for instance, they have a red wristband for vaccinated players and a yellow wristband for unvaccinated players that they're wearing as they practice. Now, um, we, we, have the, we have the ability with Pittsburgh to know how they're doing that because they open practice early because of the Hall of Fame game. So there's that. Now, I haven't heard if every team is approaching it that way. It sounds like, Paul, that Vrabel's doing this inside the building, but not on the practice field. That's, right? what, he, that's, that's okay. what he said, according to tweets from the press corps who were out there today. Um, so other things totally that, I, so, that I wrote but down. you're saying we'll know. Sorry. I, I, You'll say I we'll think know. we may be able to conclude if some guys are wearing masks and some guys aren't wearing masks during this press availability then I think that gives away who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. Look, also, I think plenty of people will be asked. Kevin Byard had a, a recent charity event. He said he was vaccinated. Well, and broad question for you in, in covering the team. Um, do you think that guys are going to be angry 
when you or someone else reports they're unvaccinated? Yes. I, I, well, I think some guys will be. Some guys will be. I, I'm just, I'm very interested in that dynamic of that being a report. This guy was in a mask, so he's unvaccinated. Right. Well, here's if, that, the only if that's reason the report, me, and then that, because we know about run-ins you've had with players in the well, locker room Well, here's the before. only reason to me Someone's going to take that very personally. Here's the only reason to me it's a story. Uh, to me, individually, it's not a story. To me, it's a story because the Titans sell that they're all about guys who love ball. And under the umbrella of their mantra of loving ball, you would do everything you could to facilitate the best functionality of the team on the, under the premise of loving ball. And so based on the way the Titans talk about loving ball, I see no exceptions to that. You facilitate us having the easiest time we can, doing the best job at ball we can, period. So this, to me, just like guys not showing up to OTAs uh, at the beginning of OTAs when several guys weren't there because the PA was pushing guys not to be there, I don't think out of regular choice, but I think out of the PA's ridiculous thing like we want a revisitation of the OTA policy that we just negotiated two years ago in our old CBA, that to me is an issue with the loving ball thing that the Titans preach and preach and preach. So to me, fair or unfair, in my judgment, this is a loving ball issue. I would put it under that umbrella. Well, and this is what has some players, DeAndre Hopkins and others, up in arms because you're exactly right, Paul, the way you laid it out there. They are pitting teammate, coach against coach and teammate and making it into a, you're not doing what's right for the team. If you're not going to Put listen team first. to our insistence that everyone get vaccinated and you should get vaccinated for the good of every, if you're not going to listen to that, then we're going to pitch you from a football standpoint mm. against each other. And you're going to make it more difficult for your team to complete their schedule. You're going to make it more difficult to participate in everything you need to as a teammate. And that's where it's going to get sticky. And I think you're right on the storyline is if you're preaching, you're all about ball when you shine that light on someone for whatever the reason is to not be vaccinated, it's going to immediately turn into a you're not being a good teammate thing. And that's exactly what the NFL was banking on yeah. when they had this policy. But it's and not they made first on my list. It's not what I'm going to run out there tomorrow and, and try to get. So have they, have they reached their 85% threshold? He's not saying, and I don't think he will. I mean, somebody might get it somewhere. But if Vrabel's not giving it up, I don't think you're getting it unless Well, if he's not NFL's saying it, then they're, they're it not there. Yeah, uh, agree. But I don't think that it will ever come from the Titans. I think it might come from the league. You know, somebody like Mark Maskey's doing a lot of reporting on yeah, a yeah. national football reporter from Washington. Vrabel said, uh, named three guys, and this is rare for him to get specific. Christian Fulton, who we talked in detail about yesterday, Tier Tart, and Anthony Ferkser don't look like the guys we coached last year. Well, those are three pretty key guys. Ferks are expected to step up uh, with Johnny Smith gone. Tier Tart, the lead dog at nose with Daquan Jones We should include gone. him. Like, I didn't do this. I'm going to get to Fulton in just a second, Second-year guy you should have included. Yeah, yesterday you talked about second-year players needing to step up. Tier Tart's in that group because of how well he played last year, making that roster and then contributing. He can get more snaps now. He will play fewer and snaps than Daquan Jones did, but he is the base nose. Yeah, and if, I mean, if he's better than he was last year, that is a huge boost yes. for that defensive front. Absolutely. And he's a – look, Daquan Jones did good work in certain situations, but Tier Tart is a more conventional nose tackle. Yeah. More that body. 
and I think could conceivably penetrate more as well as demand some attention in the run game double team wise. Um, and Christian Fulton, you know, so those are three key guys taking on bigger roles. Don't look like the guys we coached last year. Vrabel's been, uh, I would say, loath to talk about guys who transform their shape. That's a traditional question on this day, opening of training camp day. Who's put on the most weight or lost the most weight or done the most fitness-wise? Well, to me, this he is He doesn't a, single people out. He just singled three guys out. This there. is a – so maybe we should read more in the, the Fulton comments because he's crucial for them. Of the three names, I'm most optimistic about him, him mentioning Ferkser because Ferkser – we are going to learn a lot about how much of the offseason has helped him when the pads are on in a week or so. Because Monday. He's, he's got to know Monday, thank you. He's, he's got to know that he has to prove himself as a blocker. He, you know, at that tight end, you can't. He can block just as well as a lot of those guys out there. But he's also going to be asked to do that more in this offense than some of the other tight ends he was performing with yes. and practicing with this offseason. He's been asked to dig out a he's safety be more or a blitzing DB, but he's not been in can, position with any regularity to deal with an end or a linebacker. Exactly. He, he can be a blocker in the outside zone scheme. Absolutely. That, that's not what we're referring to when we say he's got to you know, bang some hats. He's got to bulk up and get in the trenches some, not all the time, but some, so that every time Jeff Swain's in the lineup, you know it's not a run. Like th- that's <laughs> that's yeah. the idea. Um, and, and if he can prove himself there, then they're okay at tight end because they have enough weapons around Ferkser to where he should be able to get open and make some plays. He's not going to be Jonu Smith, the athlete, but he should be able to get down the seam and make some plays for this offense. He said that the backup quarterback candidates will play a lot in preseason for evaluation and play with a lot of different people, some who will be on this team and some who will not. So I take that to mean... Tannehill's going to play in one preseason yeah, game. Not, not a lot. He'll play at home against Chicago. And, you know, that Kaiser will get his chance to unseat uh, Woodside, though I think you and I agree it's uh, unlikely. Based well, on you've seen it. I, I haven't seen uh, Kaiser. Well, it was just throwing, though. The thing is they've invested so much in Woodside and they haven't had a chance yet to see it executed. So I think if, if – if Kaiser were to unseat Woodside, I think it's one of those situations where Kaiser would have to be good in tandem with Woodside being bad. I think if Woodside's good and Kaiser's good, Woodside wins. We didn't see – see, Kaiser's an unknown only because we're judging him off of what he's done in other organizations. Um, we didn't see him last year. I mean, he was the designated survivor, for yeah. lack of a better way to phrase it. So even if you were allowed to go to practice and see it, he wasn't there. And he was available um, in the middle of a season when quarterbacks were at a huge premium. So the league yeah. had spoken on the guy. Yeah. He was available in what? Not October when they let Simeon yeah, right, get picked right. up. So, so we didn't see him in camp. We, you're right. I mean, we, he's a bit of an unknown in, in regards to the, the battle. But we do know the investment made in, in Woodside. They love him. Um, but I've always viewed him as a, 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 a roster with three quarterbacks. Woodside's a part of it. Is he truly ready? to be the backup if Tannehill goes down. Also, I don't know Atlanta's backup situation, but I think if you let Woodside go, there, Arthur Smith that's would really be point. very eager to get Woodside, and so you know what's happening there. Um, yeah, because Matt Schaub retired. He told, uh, Mike Vrabel told Julio Jones, we will hold the best players the most accountable. 
uh, you know, with a message, obviously, to Julio Jones that you're one of those guys. So I've always liked that uh, about Vrabel, the idea that, um, you know, he doesn't treat everybody the same, doesn't pretend to treat everybody the same, and the best guys get the, the, the harshest critique, if you will. Or they don't because they don't need it because they're playing up to those kind of levels. He expects that from Jones. McCann was impressive early go. last year, Vrabel says. He was impressive early last year before he got hurt. We will let him and Blake Hobble slug it out, reassess if needed. Goskowski's an option until he retires. Always, always hunting trouble at kick. <laughs> always courting it. Playing with I fire. Just, it just, it's so funny to me that a guy who's not on your roster that's just hanging out until he officially retires, you know, he's, he's still an option. You're just openly talking about someone. What was their record in one possession game? Seven and two? Seven and two. I'd worry more about kicker than what they're worried about kicker. Uh, and I, I'm saying that based on the stats that the, the media was actually allowed to keep during OTAs and minicamp work, uh, where the guy's kicking against air and pressure of just, okay, the game's on the line, put it through the uprights, and the guy's hitting line drives like, you know, like an Orioles shortstop at the plate. Um, instead of hitting it out of the park. Um, There's some concern there if he's not kicking it through the uprights in May. One thing we didn't talk about. I'm I'm not talking about 60-yard field goals either. No, Uh, I'm discussing like 43-yarders, routine kicks that are are not even close to accurate. One that nearly missed the netting behind (laughs) the – I didn't watch them that closely, but one that nearly (laughs) missed the netting. It's legitimately tough to accomplish. Behind the – I mean, the the, the Titans used to have, whenever it was open to the public – they would have fans who would win a draw, and you could come out and kick a field goal with the kicker. This 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 fan would have been able to hit the net, right? <laughs> One thing I have this mentioned: got a shot at the job, or if Goskowski comes out of retirement. <laughs> People always are for, far more interested in this when camp is open. It's not open this year because of the construction and because they can't get to Nissan Stadium. Right. Um, so the CBA dictates this: tomorrow is Wednesday. Wednesday and Thursday they will just be in helmets. Friday and Saturday, they will be in helmets and shells, like under pads. Sunday, they're off. Fourth day, uh, fifth day is mandated off. Everybody's off Sunday. Monday, they will be in pads, or can be in pads. I can't imagine variables wouldn't go on that schedule. So that's the um, ramp up that's mandated by the collective bargaining agreement. Finally, and I haven't, uh, I haven't, I've sent uh, a couple of the guys a text, but I haven't gotten a response. Hutton and I wanted to know what the question was that produced the answer. But Rabel said he did not think last year's defense was miserable, miserable, miserable was in quotes, so he definitely used that year, didn't think it was miserable. There were a lot of good snaps in there. Every coach says that about the worst unit in the league. They find a lot of good snaps in there. They go on a big hunt. They find them. Um, he did say, you know, he did confess to third down being terrible. There's no way you can't say that third down was terrible when it was, you know, historically bad, yeah. over 50%. He good said, snaps on first and second down because yeah. they didn't pick up a first down until third down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes third and 17, granted. Um, <laughs> They hit third down hard, and I, th- I think we knew that. That was a major yeah. off-season project. I don't know what it would have hurt to, to say last year's defense was miserable. I, I don't think he has to say 
last year's third down was miserable when you have a new outside linebacker, a new defensive end, a new nose tackle, um, a new safety, a new nickel. Did I miss anything out of the top 12? We have at least five new and I think six new. I probably missed one there. So five or six new players out of your top 12, you don't do that because your defense was good. No, not at all. They were miserable. It was misery to watch this defense last year. Uh, in some cases, an all-time misery level. 19 sacks, only a second team to go to the playoffs since 1978, which is when they started keeping sacks with fewer than 20 sacks. And modern era, over 50% third down, all-time worst. I mean, call it whatever you want, but they can't be in, in a hand, you know, six months from now, they can't look behind at the schedule and think the season, we let the season get away because our defense was terrible. Uh, and they don't have to be great. That, I think that's the key here. Um, there's a, a small margin between miserable and just adequate. And if they can make that jump, they're going to position themselves to make a playoff run. They'll have enough games to get in the postseason, and they'll do a lot better in the postseason against offenses like the Baltimore Ravens. But when you're giving up the, the third down rate that they allowed and you're getting nowhere close to the quarterback at that, you're, you're not helping an offense that's scoring over 30 points per game, the best offense we've seen, um, and, and, a, and a, an offense that's Super Bowl caliber uh, and, and produces head coaches. They need to then match that on the defensive side. But again, matching that on the defensive side does not have to be allowing nine points per game, 15 points per game. Just get some stops. Get an extra possession or two for your all-time great offense for this franchise. In referring to this defense as not miserable or not thinking it's miserable, is the equivalent of defending a Major League Baseball pitcher who's great at getting two strikes on someone and never gets anyone out. Because that's what this defense right, does. the same thing. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we saw some really productive snaps on first and second down. Historically bad on third down. Couldn't get off the field at any point, but really found some good snaps. There. It doesn't matter if you're not getting off the field. doesn't matter if you're not getting home to the quarterback, or, or, if you're getting close to them, just like in, in baseball. It doesn't matter if you get the first two strikes and someone's getting a double uh, b before you get the third strike on them every time. Or he's looking at the good snaps in the 45% of the time they did get off the field on third down. But uh, nobody wants to hear about those 45% where they were good. I mean, I guess in-house they're saying, yeah, there were 45% of the time we got off the field. Look at the good stuff we There's did here no in this 45%. We could expand that to 65% and we'd be great. You, well, We know uh, that's not true. With that mentality with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. That can't be true. That's not true. They, they, are, they are too built for success and strive too much for alphas. the greatest. Yes, for, for, the, for the greatness of what the league will provide them if they rise to the occasion. They have sat around and had nightmares about this defense. But publicly, they're just not willing to, he's not willing to talk about last year as pure misery. It would, it would have kept me up at night knowing how close this team was to truly taking an all-time great step last year. I, watching this offense hit its peak at certain strides last year in the season, it's an opportunity missed. They can praise all these numbers and their 11 wins and winning the division, great. No one cares about that ultimately because of what they could have accomplished. And, th and I think they're competitive enough to fit the mentality that I'm trying to describe. They're, they're going to make sure that this defense is not miserable in 2021. And 
Uh, two, two points kind of about the time frame, right? Rabel and his staffs have been very good at, at tinkering to fix things on uh, long, long weeks or bye weeks. Last season, they got screwed on that because COVID took away their sure. bye week. They had it early. They won, though. I mean, they, right. they no, no, but not that game. But in terms of having somewhere in the season where they had an extra week to really dig in on third down. So they never had that time. And the personnel was simply bad. So I, I truly believe he's a good enough coach that when they sit down in the offseason, revamp the personnel and dig into the third down problem, that they have tenable solutions. That, that we're not going to see, we may see some third down struggles, but we're not going to see the same third down struggles. Uh, now, there might be new permutations and whatever and things that they mm -hmm. have to solve. But on opening day against Arizona, we're not going to see the exact same kind of problems because they sat down literally for months, rolled up their sleeves, looked at what was wrong, got people that they thought would fix those problems, and uh, got on the on the whiteboard or whatever they use and right. figured things out. I, I I'm intrigued by the the coaching dynamic here of the the final say. You know, we we, we finally have a coach that is stepping up and saying, "I've got final say on things." We know this is Vrabel's defense. Like, I'm not trying to insinuate it's not, but we know where the accountability is now pointed, and I, I think that's important with, with all this too. And I think it's important for the players, quite frankly, with all the communication chatter that we heard about last year. And what was the phrase that they would always mention? Who was it? Communication. Coordination. Coordination. <laughs> Literally I mean, the yeah, word. Great. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Kevin Byard said we're poorly coordinated at one point. And, that, was, that was the line. Yeah, and he wasn't saying it like pointing at. He said when he was using the the, the word yeah. for being organized and in sync. Uh, and now we know exactly where that goes. Uh, as as they begin camp, I, I I just I think just identifying that and naming him defensive coordinator, not having him coach a position, it's important for the structure of the defense and the direction, right? Like you just you have a voice, and with the coordination, the communication, th they can say we're reading into it. So the players repeated it for weeks. Uh, to to me, it was addressed for a reason. There's no um, lack of clarity about. Vrabel didn't want to name a coordinator last year because he didn't want to name a coordinator last year. Made he hate. knew he had to do it, and he, he made that change. And I, I think from a, from a messaging standpoint, it's all streamlined now. Schwartz is going to really help, too, behind the scenes. I'm, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that with the changes they've made, especially in the secondary, uh, speed being the main factor, and with the addition of Dupree, and I'm factoring in, I, I think he's there by October. We don't know. Uh, but three quarters of the season, you get Bud Dupree. Um, they, they should take a big step forward to be a very adequate defense in 2021 compared to the miserable defense that they were a year ago. Here's another thing I'd say heading into camp for the Titans. Prepare yourself for plenty of guys to have plenty of days off. Vrabel doesn't care about having everybody out there every day. It's not the way he operates. And prepare yourself. There are going to be hamstrings or ankles or whatever 
that are going to throw a wrench into something. Mm -hmm. Hope that they're not at the wrong positions. Hope they're not multiple at the same positions. But by Sunday, that day off, Monday morning, somebody's going to be missing with a hamstring or with something, with an unidentified body part that we're all going to try to figure out what it is. It's just a fact of life at, at camp. It's not just going to be here. It's going to be everywhere. But you're going to be particularly frustrated about it because it's your team and because it happens over and over. And you're going to say to yourself, why does this keep happening? And it, it's just the nature of the beast. Now, I don't know if the Titans have a disproportionate amount of hamstrings or not. I, I, I think there are hamstrings all around the league that get tight or pulled at the start. They have this acclimatization period to try to minimize that. But it's inevitable. I'm sure it was asked today, uh, and we'll dig in uh, over the next 60 seconds or so and find it. Uh, but we mentioned the quarterback battle, the backup quarterback battle. There's a battle at right tackle where those quarterbacks are going to be playing behind uh, a rookie that's going to get a ton of reps in three preseason games and a veteran in Kendall Lamb uh, playing alongside Dylan Radins, who started 27 games in the NFL. How much of a battle is that really? What's the expectation? Because the last couple of years we've had battles going into camp, uh, going into Titans training camp for for offensive linemen that have really there was Never no battle. There was no battle whatsoever. Is this one? Uh, we'll give our thoughts on that straight ahead. Plus, you can chime in. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Outkick360 uh, is where you can join the chat on a daily basis. Chad and Paul do an excellent job of chiming in. I need to do a better job of chiming in on the YouTube chat. But you can join us there. And while you're there, subscribe to the channel. You hit the, the bell, ring that bell, the alert button, so that you know we go live every day at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. And from there, you're automatically entered to win a Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. You can see it on the screen. If you're listening on the podcast, it's fantastic. It's the Sony AX3000 car stereo with Apple CarPlay. Sony creates and delivers more entertainment experiences to more people on Earth. And Hertz Audison, the 520-watt amp and the 400-watt powered subbox and the speaker system. You subscribe to the YouTube channel. You ring the bell to be alerted when we go live or post new content you're automatically entered to win this prize pack, which is valued at over $2,500. We will draw a winner from our subscriber list next month. Stick with us. Tennessee Power Hour rolls on. Outkick 360. Outkick 360 and uh, more Titans discussion in just a moment. Shout out to uh, Alex Walsh, Nashville's own Alex Walsh, uh, who swims for gold. Or maybe she's already done that. I can't tell. Maybe it's tonight live. I don't know. I don't. Just imagine I have no in your mind. Whenever it's happening, you're going to see it tonight at some point in prime time. The, the, the way NBC is happened. promoting this, I saw where our former production assistant Lindsay Nance tweeted out that she will swim for gold tonight at 9:45 Central. Is that live in Tokyo at like noon uh, tomorrow? Like I don't know. But <laughs> tonight at 9:45, uh, she swims for gold. I know she qualified yesterday. Um, and and, was, and she did great. She's awesome. Yeah. So um, uh, shout out there. And I, I just love knowing that we've got the Nashville tie that goes for gold tonight for Team USA. Love it. And uh, a lot of talk about the NBC broadcasting decisions with all this. Yeah. It is very hard and sometimes impossible to find events live. Uh, I noticed this with uh, people complaining about 
when Simone Biles withdrew this morning, it was only on Peacock. The live women's team, you know, that's a huge event live, and they put it all on their pay, paid streamer. You had to pay to go watch it. Now, you're going to be able to watch pretty much all of it tonight in primetime. The decision by NBC or a network to put things in a way off time zone in the Olympics in primetime is nothing new. Social media in the last 15 years obviously right. new and has changed a lot of that, the information we get. The streaming services, that is what is going to complicate things more and more. Because NBC or whoever has the rights moving forward, this is the way it's going to go. They are going to make you pay to see things live. I could not watch the U.S. men's team play France in basketball Sunday morning because it was only on Peacock, and I'm not a Peacock subscriber. So I understand the, the anger with people with this. This is a business decision by NBC. They're trying to get you to pay for Peacock, and they're going to put some of their premier events on Peacock live and then replay it in primetime. That's Pe just the way it's going to go. Peacock's free on Comcast, which is great. But I'm not watching anything at 6 a.m. either, so uh, I'm not getting the, the pay. Me, again, the television product of it, 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 everything is changing with streaming options now. But the television product, the valuable piece, is primetime. Right. Every night in primetime, they're going to make that primetime show as juicy as possible. And they're going to put the sports they know that people watch every four years in the Olympics. You're going to see... You're going to see gymnastics, swimming, track and field over the next two weeks. That's a given every night. After this week of swimming, you're going to see a week of track and field. And that's the way they're going to do it every Olympics. It's just that the streaming service angle of this is complicating things that you can no longer see live, that you've been able to see live, whether it be on uh, USA, you know, MSNBC, some NBC property. You could go and watch something live, and now you've got to pay for the streaming service. I would argue that swimming is in the perfect sweet spot because I have not heard a single swimming result during the day through the Olympics so far, and I can watch the prime time effectively live because I don't is, know well, what no, no, I think it is live. Uh, they're 14 hours ahead of us. So uh, at 9 p.m., they're in the middle of the day. So it's my – I assume at 9.45 tonight it will be a live event oh, right. in Tokyo. Well, then 14 no hours wonder I'm advance. not finding out what well, happens that's, ahead that's, To me, that's why that's going on. <laughs> I do think that they have a lot of the swimming in the morning, like mid-morning there, which would make sense from a night, you know, eight, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, and then in prime time there, early it's gymnastics. It's virtually is, 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah prime it's time there is gymnastics. Hours. So that, that's why I'm saying, I, is it live or not? I, I honestly can't tell you, <laughs> but I, I'm assuming it's live tonight when the Nash, Nashville native Alex Walsh will, will swim for gold. Alex Walsh, she, she's who's currently, about to be a freshman at the University of Virginia. That's how young she is. No? I think she's already there. About to be a sophomore at the University of Virginia. Went to uh, Harpeth Hall. Yep. And uh, Simon is all in on this, my 11-year-old. When I informed him that she most likely did most of her training in high school at the pool where he learned to swim, that sanctified the water for him. He... he uh, feels in contact with her from having been in the same Holy water. Pool. That's yeah. holy water. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Uh, Vrabel did mention Dylan Radins briefly. Just said he's had a good offseason. He's worked with the vets um, at right tackle. But he's moved around a lot in OTAs and minicamps. He was praised for his work and his, his ability to be coached up and, and not make the same mistake twice. I think that's important as he goes into camp, and by Monday or Tuesday of next week, we'll learn more when the pads are on. Uh, because, again, it, it's hard to judge players, no matter if they're a rookie or veteran, in these OTAs and minicamps, uh, because you're getting fined if you have any contact whatsoever. 
and you're not really doing all that much. It's a lot of individual drills. With that in mind, Paul, should I be as optimistic as I am that this guy can win the job? I, I am optimistic. You, you've said we've been set up for competitions previously, and they've gotten sidetracked. So that starts with Nate Davis, who was a third-round pick a couple years ago, who got hurt in mm -hmm. training yep. camp. And so he was behind a not very good Jamil Douglas, who played the first four games, three games or four games, and then about a uh, month. He was and, the Jacksonville game. Nate Davis started yeah. in Atlanta. Yep. Yep. Um, which was a breakout game for the Titans. Um, and so that was uh, an unfortunate thing. And I would say that Jamil Douglas was a far inferior guy to be ahead of him. And the line was playing poorly at mm -hmm. that stage. Um, you know, this line I would expect to play well out of the gate, no matter who's at right tackle. Um, so, listen, they've not brought guys... Vrabel's in no rush with draft picks, right? I think it comes a little bit from his own experience. He wasn't a high draft pick by any means, but he played four years as a role player before he started a game in New England on his second contract when they saw something out of him in New England, Belichick did, and he was a totally different guy there, cast in a totally different role. And so I think he's just out of that, partly out of that, content to let things kind of play out until he's sure a rookie's ready or better and I think that factors in. Then you take a guy who's from North Dakota State, and uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. You know, he played well senior bowl week against the bigger competition. That tells them that he can compete with those guys, but I think you probably put a slower timer on that guy. I think the three of us universally are, if you're spending a damn second-round pick on a right tackle, the third right tackle that you've spent a premium pick on, two first-rounders and a second-rounder in six years, get his ass out there ASAP, unless he really isn't ready or unless there's an injury at play. I want to see him sooner than later. Well, part of this, too, for me, is the Kendall Lamb equivalent. Like, I just, I don't view him as a starting right tackle in the NFL. I know he's had 27 starts, but when they signed him, it's not like I thought, oh, this makes sense. This is Dennis Kelly, starter 2.0 at, at, at the right side. When they signed him, you still knew they had to address right tackle in the draft, even though they had Tyson Brylow and they brought him back too. I, don't know. I didn't know they were going to address right tackles early as they did. And I think they can function with Kendall Lamb starting, run blocking, and getting help in pass protection, I, which I, is what they did basically with Dennis Kelly. Yeah, but until they got I, left I think Dennis Kelly's a, a more athletic ver he's more like Dylan Radens than Kendall Lamb. As well, I just watched you, you address right tackle that early because he's a starter very quickly. I, I hope. I, I mean, hope. That, I mean that, that's why you address it that early. You address it because of the failure with Isaiah Wilson, but you also go that early with it because you see a prospect in Radens that is going to start quickly. I'm not saying week I, one, but he better start quickly. I agree with you, but I don't think that's the way they think. I think they look at him and say, here's a guy who could be a starting right tackle in the league for 10 years. They don't think about right. opening day. They think long term. now, And they don't even necessarily, I, I do think they think long term like that, but they don't think second contract because they've failed to get a lot of guys under second contract based on prices. But they see a guy who has a long future at right tackle. They're not thinking about well, September 12th. And, and for the sake of the discussion, uh, I set it up by asking, like, is this truly one of those roster battles? Or are we 
buying into it the same way we did the last couple of years where we thought there would be one and it doesn't materialize. I actually think there is one. Well, he's getting the job. Um, it's a matter of when. And I certainly think training camp. Yeah, and when have I say battle, I'm talking that. week one against Arizona. Like, who is the starter at right tackle? I think Raidens can win the job, um, and, and it's going to be determined by how he protects the two backup quarterbacks in the three preseason games. But if and, I'm betting right now, I'd probably bet on Kendall Lamb, given the history of the I, way they operate with. These I would. Guys. I would take the plus money. This is one of those Fanduel options where I take the plus money on the rookie. Because I just just what I've heard about how coaches have reacted to the way he approached the offseason and came in and really took to whatever they told him to do. Yeah, and we haven't heard anything about Kendall Lamb either. True. On the other but that, side. That doesn't mean anything negative. No. But yeah, you're right. But there's been you're no right. conversation about Kendall Lamb. Coming up, uh, the 360 parlay, plus we'll uh, recap some of the bigger headlines from today on Outkick 360. Time to mix it up. Daily parlay time, Outkick360, fanduel.com slash OK360 is where you can join us for the daily parlay. I loved where Chad went last night. We just needed a couple more strikeouts. Needed better uh, work from Nick Pavetta last night for the Red Sox. Can't trust the Red Sox. We didn't, we didn't get it. Can't I was trust following the Red along Sox. and we needed five and a half strikeouts. We could not get that. But we're going to go baseball tonight. We're also going Olympics tonight. The 360 parlay for you. Over 10.5 runs for Toronto and Boston. High-scoring affair tonight. That's up to 11 now. Uh, yeah, the line is moving up. We have changed the line. We've added a run. Hutton is the shark that once he placed his bet down, the line immediately moved to half a run. I am taking the Cardinals over the Indians straight up on the money line. And then we head to the Olympics. Uh, Medvedev, uh, I, I personally have already uh, placed a futures bet on him to win gold. Um, he's, he's not the favorite. But there's good plus money there, um, and he's, he's a heavy favorite tonight. And uh, the Spain Olympic team, this is for soccer. Spain and Argentina take Spain to win, minus 115. It's a $5 bet that has a 37.83 payout. FanDuel.com slash OK360. One quick note that I just saw. Uh, Ken Davidoff uh, reports the Mets' agreement with their top draft pick, Kumar Rocker, is in limbo after the team expressed concern about Rocker's pitching elbow. So that story is out and about. That explains we'll why he that. fell to 10. We'll look in that tomorrow. Yep. We'll look into that yes. tomorrow. Um, a seven-footer now plays for the University of Tennessee. Yeah, Hanjay Tamba, who is from Knoxville Catholic in Knoxville, uh, he is reclassified. He was... A junior in high school, going to be a senior, went ahead and got the academic work done and graduated, and he is going to early enroll at Tennessee, seven foot, 215 pounds. Now, he's already stated he is going to redshirt. This is a developmental move. He basically said in an interview uh, with VolQuest that I'm going to develop more working under Rick Barnes in this program and hitting that weight room than I would my senior year in high school. I'm going to use this year to put on weight and develop. Intriguing prospect for Tennessee, runs the floor really well for a guy who is seven feet tall. Um, and this now puts Tennessee firmly in the number two spot in the national college basketball rankings, just percentage points behind Jawan Howard's class at Michigan. So a really good recruiting class, gets a little bit better. Seven players in this basketball class for Tennessee this year. I mean, it's amazing how they're they're now to a level where they're going not just picking and choosing who they want but turning away legitimate yeah legitimate talent i mean there's a there's a guy who wanted to commit to tennessee possibly that i know um 
Rob Lewis at Volcus was writing about Tennessee doesn't know if he's a take, and he was a top 80 player nationally and didn't know that if they were going to – because they were in on four top 25 players for that class for next year. So Tough life. Rick Barnes is, uh, is doing some good work. It, it's this constant turnover of roster, though, in college basketball. We've seen it with the one-and-done programs, Kentucky, Duke, mm-hmm. others out there. We're going to start seeing it more now with Tennessee because Kennedy Chandler is probably not going to be around after this year. You already lost two one-and-dones from last year. And Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. Roster reconstruction is going to be the name of the game now and how quickly you can get guys. Uh, I'll even say Justin Powell, the transfer in from Auburn, that's going to need to probably be a starter or close to it this year. How quickly can you reconstruct a roster and get guys playing with some continuity is going to be really the story in college basketball now. It's going to be the story with Tennessee. If you are enjoying the Tennessee Power Hour, uh, stick with us through Titans training camp because we're going to have Paul, uh, who will report in from Titans training camp every day starting at noon. Uh, We're going to have all the news, notes, headlines involving the Tennessee Titans as they head into 2021 with massive expectations based on the way this team is constructed and what we know they're capable of uh, and building off of an 11-win season last year. Big storylines ahead. And all that starts on the practice field tomorrow. You will see a much more sunscreened face, <laughs> probably a hat, and not nearly as nice of a shirt. But uh, I will sweat through all of that stuff come, and we'll have a good, detailed conversation about all the important developments going on out there starting tomorrow. There is a chance that it gets to 100 degrees in Nashville one of the next three days. Oh, terrific. At Titan Training Camp. <laughs> right. That will be the first time since 2012. We have reached triple digits in Nashville, if that happens. So good luck to you, Paul. Will the cancer spot grow before I it's get it? It's been that long? Fixed. Since we had 112 since we've hit 100. Is that right? Yeah. It, uh, listen, there are a lot of days that feel like a There are a lot of Titans media members that have complained about the heat since 2012. Oh, yeah. yeah. The heat's going to get you. Well, listen, 98 doesn't feel that different than 100. I mean, I, I think I in, in Nashville, 90 doesn't feel that much different because of the humidity. We've sat out it's there just, at training camps practices you know, doing a radio show, <laughs> and it felt certainly like it was pushing 100. Oh, I can hear the complaints now. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of heat complaints. A lot of weather reports that we get local radio shows, too. Oh, yeah. Not going to happen here. No. Uh, just, uh, just the news that was the one, That was the one camp. weather report I'll give you because it's a somewhat historic time that it's going to happen for the first time in nine years. <laughs> well, it's funny. And I just laugh thinking about well, Paul that, going no, out that training camp. Well, that's hard to believe. That's hard to believe. Well, it hits 100 degrees all the time in Nebraska, for instance, but it's, it doesn't feel any th- anywhere near as bad as it does here because well, there's no humidity. Take that under advisor. I'm going to get my – I have one of those blue cool towel things. I'm going out there with a lot of stuff like a pack mule. You guys would be proud because the players are six oh, feet I away. Think you should be like the baseball player who doesn't even have batting gloves on. Right. Just go out there. No oh, hat. yeah, get some more cancer. Yeah, they told <laughs> us they told us to come up with a way. You know, players are six feet away, and they told us to come up with a way. I think Lance and Jacob will probably have a field day with this. I bought a pole that's for, like, extending a duster, and I crafted a thing, and I Velcro my tape recorder. See, this is a Velcro strip yeah. on here. I Velcro my tape up. recorder onto that, and I extend the pole. <laughs> and so I can interview somebody with the extended pole and pull it back. <laughs> Do you think other media members are going to have as crisp audio as I am with the speak extended pole? Speak directly to Paul's pole, please. That's please, speak into my pole. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, when you, say, <laughs> when you say crafted, can you describe that process a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, you want to hear it? I took a piece of cardboard that I cut out that's a little bit bigger than this. 
and I used Gorilla Tape and I taped it to the end of the pole. And then I put the Velcro on the cardboard, on the Gorilla Tape on the cardboard, and then I put this. I taped Is this. Is this going to be allowed? Oh yeah, they encourage. Well, they oh, said they, oh, find they a way this. to get to get your recording they device. They said find to, a way to ensure you get. But you have to be audio. six feet away. Yeah. Because I could totally see you going out there being the only one doing this and Titans Media Relations having a problem saying, well, you touched that, and now it's up next to their face, so get it back. And then there's going to be a huge blow-up in day one after you've done this. Or Paul's Velcro melts off, like right. mid-interview. I'm, I'm quite pleased with my class. I spent a, a no, half the, hour or, at Home Depot Or it's going to fall off mid-interview, and Paul's going to have to run into the six-foot barrier <laughs> to get it, and then he's going to get yelled at by Media very Relations Very sturdy Velcro. 3M. <laughs> I watched the 3M open this weekend, and I'm now using their uh, Velcro product. We are back Ingenious. at it tomorrow for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks, and don't, lack, don't laugh at my poll. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.